Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Bringing us together. Thank you for bringing us together in your house. That we might worship you, Lord, that we might sing your praise. Lord, as we hear your scripture this morning and we hear your words spoken to us, may they burn deep in our hearts. May we, Lord, understand better today than we did before just how much you love us. Encourage our hearts, Lord, as we listen, as we listen to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture is out of John 15, verses 9 through 17. Uh, This is right after Jesus is talking about being the vine and we are the branches. Verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that you might I have told you this so that my joy might be may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we sing. I need uh, someone to tell me what to do. I've been, uh, uh, my wife's been uh, taking care of our grandchildren the last week or so, so I haven't had anybody tell me what to do, so it's a good thing he tells me, <laughs> good thing he tells me when it's, when, it, when it's my turn, or I wouldn't, wouldn't know. So. One of the exciting things about being a Christian is, is that there's always uh, uh, something going on, something to learn, something to do. There's always a change in one way or another in your life, and you're not just sure how the Lord might be working in your life. It's kind of like, uh, again, kind of like a marriage. You know, you, you start out in a marriage, you kind of have one role or one relationship, and as you, years unfold, your relationship changes from uh, different situations for different times. It might be events that occur in your life, and for a while you're kind of stuck in one relationship, and then things change, and, and you uh, go into different kinds of relationships with your spouse. Well, it's that way, I think, in our relationship with God as well. When we first hear about God, when we're first told about God, generally as a little child, we're told something about God created the heavens and the earth, and he created the pretty flowers and the animals, and he created mommy and daddy and and, uh, you and me and all that kind of stuff. We understand at that early stage of life that everything we see was created by God and that God's a powerful God, And we really need to be on the good side of God. After all, he's mighty and powerful, and we are quite weak 
And as a child, at least, uh, we understand ourselves to be a kind of insignificant, perhaps, in relationship to this great God. What we do in relationship with God many times at that stage in our spiritual life is to understand uh, that um, God is uh, great, and uh, we need to fear that God, and we're kind of conscious of uh, if we do something wrong uh, that we're going to fail somehow in our relationship with God. We try to perhaps even as we grow older, and we're still not in a relationship with God as Savior and, and Jesus as Lord, we might see ourselves as uh, uh, wanting to uh, kind of earn our relationship with him. Uh, we want to stay on his good side. And we want to stand, be in good standing with him by what we do. We see God, perhaps, in our relationship with him as God is kind of our boss, all-powerful, and we're kind of a slave or a servant to God. And that's not too awful far from what the Bible says. In fact, the Apostle Paul tells us in many of his books that he begins the book by saying that very thing. He says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Or Paul, in the King James Version, it says, Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ. And so he was conscious of his relationship as servant of God. But I was happy, as most of you who became Christians, I'm sure you were happy too to know, that you could overcome that guilty conscience, you could overcome that fear of God by uh, asking Jesus to come into your life and forgive you of your sin and be your Lord, certainly be your master. You would still be a slave, but he would forgive you of your sin and give you that gift of eternal life. I was happy to be God's apostle, uh, like uh, Paul, and also to be God's slave in relationship with him. But as I grew in this new faith that I found, I found that there was more to our faith than just being a slave or a servant to this master God, but there was also another stage to our relationship with God. And that's the relationship that's centered on being a good servant or being a good steward. Uh, kind of related to being a servant. Uh, a good manager would be what we would probably call it today, a good manager of everything that God has given to us in this life. We experience God when we are in this stage of our relationship with God as uh, being a wonderful provider of all good things around us. Again, kind of a follow-up of, of what we learned as a child, but as we mature in our faith, we really begin to see the intricacy of all the relationship and all the things that God does in order to keep our world uh, smoothly running the way it goes. This is like the parable of the talents. In uh, Matthew chapter 25, uh, verses 14 to 18, it tells the story of the, of the talents. Uh, a talent was a measurement of, of gold in those days, a, money, a form of money. Uh, and uh, the story, as you know, goes that uh, a servant... Uh, Servants were called by their master, and he gave uh, one servant so many talents, depending on which one you read, um, might have been five talents, or might have been three talents, or might have been two or one, or whatever it was. But he gave each servant a talent. And then when he came back from his long journey, he called those servants in and said, uh, what have you done with this talent, this money that I've uh, given to you? And, and uh, each one of the first two said, yes, here Here's your original talent, and I've earned this many more, and so on. But one took the talent and buried it in the ground. And so he was thought of as a poor servant, uh, a poor manager, a poor steward of what uh, his master had given him. 
And so in that, following that idea of the talents and us being good managers of what God has given us, we want to be obedient to God, uh, but often in that relationship with God as being his, his manager, his good steward of what he's given to us, uh, we begin to worry if we're doing enough. And so in many of the world religions, that's uh, what they center on, isn't it? Like, for example, in Muslims, uh, they, they want to try to do their best. They have to follow all the things just right in order to earn their way into heaven. Or even in the, uh, uh, the Jewish religion, uh, the children of Israel had to do all of these traditions and all these laws and customs in order to earn their relationship uh, uh, for, as, w- with God as their heavenly father. And so we're tempted to be anxious and to, to, uh, to gauge our relationship uh, and uh, our, our love for God by how busy we are managing what we do for God. And so we rush here and rush there doing things for our family or for our friends or for our church or whatever, always saying, am I measuring up? Am I being a good enough manager, a good enough steward of what God has given me? I remember a few years ago I worked for a fellow who uh, was uh, really uptight about this. I mean, he, he, he had come from the business world, and so he tended to, to see ministry in the same way he saw his business life. And he was always after us as his, his uh, employees, were, were we doing all of what we were supposed to do? We'd get out our job descriptions and we'd read that job. Now, are you doing all those things? And he would require uh, weekly reports saying uh, how you've carried out your job description and name the particular thing that you were doing and how that fit into your particular job descriptions. Constantly uh, uptight about whether we were doing things perfectly according to what we should be doing. Well, needless to say, that put all of us pretty much on edge. And the other people who were in staff together, if something fell through the cracks, so to speak, and something didn't get done, what happened was everybody started pointing fingers at everybody else and saying it was his fault because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. And so it created a rather poor atmosphere in which to work. That idea of being a good manager or a good steward is great, but if it's taken too far, uh, then we all get on edge and we all start to worry and be anxious about things that we shouldn't be. It's great to want to be a good manager or a good steward of what God has given to us, and certainly we're responsible in that area, but we need to go further than just being a slave or a servant or a manager. We need to perhaps think about, in another stage of our Christian life, how uh, we can be a child of God. Uh, One of my favorite hymns is, I'm a child of the King, I'm a child of the King, with Jesus my Savior, I'm a child of the King. And that's a beautiful song, and it has a good thought to it. And especially when we're troubled, when we're sick, we like to think of ourselves as God's children, and He is going to take care of us and provide for us. And Jesus uses that illustration uh, several times when he teaches his disciples about being children. In Luke 13, he tells us that God longs to gather us together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. And so God is telling us in this parable, Jesus is, uh, that God longs, he desires to gather us as his children. And so being a child of the king sounds like a 
a really good place to be. And we like to be in that relationship, especially when we're in great need. Jesus invited the children to come to him. Uh, when the disciples tried to keep the children away, uh, Jesus is too busy for little kids. Keep those kids away, they were saying to the parents and the others. Jesus says, no, bring the children to me, uh, for such is the kingdom of God. Unless you become like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And so Jesus invited the children to come to him, and he laid his hands on them and blessed them. We love to understand God as our parent, and we're completely dependent on God. We realize that, especially the older we get, we realize that we're dependent on God for every breath we take and for every beat of our heart. Uh, God is the one who's supplying those for us. And that's a good relationship to be with uh, in, in relationship to God. In teaching Jesus, uh, uh, teaching his disciples to pray, what did he say to call God? The very beginning of the Lord's Prayer, he says, Our, <laughs> our Father, right, our Father who art in heaven. And so Jesus was teaching his disciples, it's great to be a child of God. But the problem is, if we think of ourselves only as children of God, if we only think of ourselves as children of God, we think of ourselves about that great future potential. Uh, Don and I, when we were uh, first dating and then when we were first married, we were always looking forward to the future. Boy, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to be able to live here and be able to do there and so on and so forth. It was always thinking what? Ahead. You were thinking about the future potential of your life together in marriage. And that's only normal for a young uh, couple to be that way. And it's normal, I think, for young Christians especially to think of themselves as children of the Heavenly Father, as a child of the King, as uh, one of those ones who's gathered together. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so that's a good relationship. But at some point, there has to be a, pos a possession I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that word correctly. But anyhow, you understand. There has to be a possession of that uh, uh, mature ability. We have to get beyond just being childlike and go into seeing ourselves as mature in relationship to God and use the resources, use the abilities uh, uh, that we are learning as children, as, as a child of the king, use those uh, abilities for God's kingdom and to further his love in, in our world. It wouldn't be natural for us to always want to keep our children as children. You know, it, it's great that these young people are using their energy to serve the Lord this week in Bible school. But if, if they were all to come back 40 years from now, and they all looked exactly the way they do now, 40 years from now, we'd say something was the matter with these guys. You know, I mean, we don't stay young forever, do we? We, we grow up. And, uh, and we expect people to grow and mature, don't we? And as wonderful as life is right now, hopefully next year our life is going to mature further in our relationship to God. And so we don't want to get stuck in that relationship uh, as being a child of the king or a child of God. So there's another relationship that really stretches us further. And we read in the New Testament where people were often calling Jesus a teacher, and uh, dis uh, they were his disciples. We would say today that we are 
Jesus' learners. We are his students, a uh, uh, term that often used in the, in the labor unions is you're an apprentice to someone. You follow them around like Jesus' disciples followed uh, him around, and you learn by watching a master uh, perform whatever particular work that you're wanting to learn, and uh, you pattern your life after that master teacher, and you're the apprentice in that program, whatever it might be. And so that's what Jesus called his disciples from their life of fishing, from their life of being tax collector, or whatever their life may have been before, come and follow me and be a learner, be a student, uh, be a disciple. And the key to this relationship is respect for the teacher, isn't it? Uh, the disciples wouldn't have followed Jesus if they didn't have any respect for him. All of us can probably think of a teacher whom we held in high esteem and perhaps still do. Uh, they may only be a, a faint memory in our mind at this point from many years ago, but we always respected that teacher because uh, that teacher uh, really made a difference in our life. We love to be students in a class with a good teacher. It's like being hungry and getting something good to eat. Uh, I was in the seventh grade, and there was a fellow named, his name's Don Bryden, and he was a history teacher. And I just loved to go to his class because he would tell interesting stories about history. It wasn't just dry old facts out of a history book. He, he put you right there in the middle of the Civil War or the Revolutionary War or whatever it was that we were studying. And so we went to, the, to class. We were ready to listen to those good stories, to write down the notes, and he would write stuff on the blackboard. And you knew that if you wrote down what was on the blackboard and learned it and remembered his stories, you were going to get a what on the test? <laughs> you were going to get an A because uh, that's what he was, uh, he was uh, good at. He was such a good teacher. It was hard not to learn. And it's good to be a faithful student and to learn, but we don't want to be constantly learning, do we? Uh, someone has called uh, uh, people that do that constantly learning, going to college and going to graduate school and going to get a Ph.D. and going to get a second degree and on and on they go. They call those folks professional students because they just make their whole life at being a student. And uh, it seems like they're never going to get around to practicing what they've learned. And that's the problem with being uh, a student or a disciple is, is that you have to finally put into practice what the master teacher uh, has been teaching. We don't want to be constantly learning and never putting it into practice. So we want to be lifelong spiritual learners, that's for sure. We want to be lifelong disciples of Jesus, but we always want to make sure we're practicing what we learn so we'll get better at uh, being a follower of Jesus. In James chapter 2, uh, James puts it this way. He says, um, see if I can find the right verse, verse 15. Uh, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And then in, uh, skipping down further in verse 24, 
He says, you see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And so James is telling us it's great to be a learner, but you've got to put into practice. You've got to put that faith into practice so that you can become more of what God wants you to be. So Jesus wants us to get beyond being a student. He wants us to be more in our relationship than just a lifelong learner. And the final relationship I think that we can look at in our pilgrimage of faith is uh, to be in a relationship with Jesus as friend. And the scripture that Pastor Dan read this morning points that out quite clearly. Uh, Jesus is calling us to be his friend. He says, I no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master's doing. But I want to call you friends because everything I've, my Heavenly Father's told me, I'm telling you and I want you to join me in that. Uh, to be in such love with me through keeping that love commandment that you'll be my close friend. There's nothing wrong, certainly, with being a servant of the Lord. We all want to be his servant. Nothing wrong with being a manager, a good uh, Steward of the things that God has given to us. It's good to be a child of our Heavenly Father. It's good to be a disciple or a student of Jesus. But friends of Jesus is the best goal for our life, to be his friend. Now, we might go back and forth, and depending on the circumstances, like I said at the beginning, in marriage. Uh, sometimes we have to be a child of the King because we're in a troubled situation and we're sick or whatever. So we have to be very de dependent on God. We have to be willing to come to him and receive his blessing, to gather with him under his wings, so to speak, as a hen gathers her chicks. But then we get beyond that into another life, perhaps later. We might go back and forth. Sometimes we might need to be a student because... Uh, we haven't learned something, and so God places us in a student relationship for a time in our life, but then we want to get beyond that. Cir circumstances change in our life from time to time, so each one of us here this morning might be in a different relationship to God than someone next to us. You might be, at this point, thinking of yourself more as a servant or a slave. You might be thinking of yourself more as a student or a disciple or a child or whatever it might be. But our goal is to be a friend of Jesus. And we can only be his friend by loving him. And we can only love him most deeply, as Jesus is calling us to love him and to love one another, if uh, we have accepted what he has done for us on the cross. If we've said, yes, Jesus, your death on the cross paid for my sin, because I'm a sinner, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sin. Come live in my life so that I can be your friend. Then we will have that gift of abundant life, and that abundant life centers around being a friend of God. Then when we're friends of God, when we're friends of Jesus, we spend time with him, don't we? We spend time in worship and in prayer and in reading his word and studying it. 
We practice what we read and what we hear and what we know uh, in our life from day to day. That's what being a friend is all about. And then, finally, if we're a friend of God, we're going to be friends with his other what? His other friends. <laughs> so if you're a friend of God, and you're not a friend of somebody else who's a friend of God, something's the matter there someplace, isn't it? And so that's where reconciliation uh, comes in. And so we have to constantly be on our guard to be reconciled, as Paul calls it, uh, with one another, and make that a priority so we can continue to be in that relationship of a friend of God. Next week we're going to look further at some examples and scriptures of friends of God, and we'll talk more about being a friend of God. And maybe we're going to learn a song. Are we going to learn? Maybe we'll learn that song. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. So maybe some of you know that song. And that will be a good theme for us to think about in the days ahead. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that we can be your servants. Thank you, Lord, that we can be your children. Thank you, Lord, that we can be your good stewards and managers. Thank you, Lord, that we can be your disciples. But most of all, Lord, thank you that you call us friends and you want us to be your friend. And so call us into a relationship with you through the power of your Spirit. Lord, if there's one here today who has not yet accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, call them, Lord, today that they might be able, when they go forth into their life, uh, that they might be able to call you friend. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.